life says me Far as I've been knowing Having time to snack around In comfort all the year So when we get a little time Before our boat gets going We head on down to the library And this is what we hear Come, Come on and in, look, look all around There's plenty for to see Make your own self right upon oh, I love the library Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson, and today I'm talking with Harvey Gilliland about the house he restored on Singling Alley. Welcome, Harvey. Hello, thank you. And um, so we started this conversation because you heard the show with John and Tana Parker about moving the house. And you knew about my house, so you called to tell me about that, which was which was fun to learn some new things, and um, and and you said you sent a picture of my house to the who the he was eight years old when he lived in the house when it was at Indian Point. That's right. Yeah, that was kind of fun. So um, I told you I would love to talk to you about your house on Singling Alley because I, I have a little house envy there. Um, it's a beautiful house. And well, thank you, you. you told me that you have restored it. So when did you purchase it? 
I'm not sure exactly of the of the month, but it was, must have been uh, November, December of 1969. And what kind of shape was it in when you purchased it? Well, the foundation was terrible. There were several piling, leaning over. Um, the roof had um, um, aluminum roofing sheets that had blown away. And underneath that, there was um, um, asphalt shingles that were coming off. And uh, there was just like sand on the shingles that was washing down. And um, below that was wood. And uh, so the roofing was uh, in about the same state as the foundation and the wiring and plumbing. Um, that was all in the same state of repair. And uh, it just needed lots of TLC. It, it had been neglected for a long, long time. And so you were telling me that the house had actually been condemned when you- Yes, it was it. condemned. And the fellow that owned it um, was forced to move out because it was considered by the town building official to be unsafe for him. And uh, the man offered it to my wife and I. We had had an easement for access alongside of it um, from a little house in the back. And uh, so I think maybe he thought we might wreck it and have more tidelands or something. I don't know, but um, anyway, it seemed to me like it'd be worth trying to restore. Wow. So uh, that I'm doing a lot of construction on my own house right now. So, and I'm doing it myself. And so I, I can appreciate the amount of work that, that, <laughs> that that sounds like, cause you were working full time that this wasn't your job and raising a family. Yes, that's right. Well, I didn't have, we didn't have children right at that time. Our first child was born in 71. But um, yes, I did come down here uh, after work um, in the evenings and often work until 11 p.m. on lots of things. And, uh, but I had helpers to begin with, um, a long gone man named Jack Burrell and another logger named Tim Droke that I think is in Ketchikan uh, yet. And, um, Another fella came and worked, started work on the foundation for me. And they had barely started by the time um, Bob Weaver, who was editor of the Piers Red Press, came to me and, and said that they'd like to lease the house for five years because they had to move out of the place where they were, that the court was going to occupy their space. So, so um, that, was the, that was the newspaper. I beg your pardon? That was the newspaper at the time. It was, yes. Robert Weaver was the editor of the Petersburg Press. And so this was fascinating to me because the pilings, you said, under the building. And for those who don't know, the, the, the house we're talking about is right next door to the bookstore on the bridge side. And it's a beautiful old house and you have it painted so nice. Um, and so when the pilot wanted, 
the press, sorry, the Petersburg press wanted to come in. What did you have to do to get the building ready for that to happen? Well, those fellows were working on the foundation at that time. And um, the building was in uh, such terrible shape that it wasn't suitable as a residence at all. Um, there is no real kitchen, um, no real heating system that amounted to anything and had lots of wiring difficulties and plumbing problems and stuff. And so um, the newspaper didn't need any of those things in the way of uh, uh, living facilities. They just needed a place for a dark room and a, a lavatory to wash your hands in and a, and a toilet. And uh, But they had a lot of heavy equipment. There was a, uh, an old fashioned linotype machine and uh, a large heavy platen press and then a more contemporary press. And um, so uh, those guys happily were working on the foundation at that time. So they put added timbers in the way of uh, the places where those uh, machines would go. And I cut away the wall uh, next to the front door over to an adjacent window to have enough width for the machine is to come into the house and then re rebuilt the wall after that. And um, so that was our first tenant. And um, so we kind of started having income right to begin with. And, and um, I can't remember the man's name, but there was a fellow had a roofing business out about where the forest server supervisor's office is now. Um, he and the little crew came and put uh, took off the the awful roofing and and put new steel on, so it made the place uh, more waterproof. And, An important uh, detail in our in our environment. <laughs> so, so then it just went on from there. I came and worked on various things uh, as I could, you know, outside. Uh, and what have you, while the press was here. And there was lots of odds and ends to take care of. Yeah. So do you know who originally built the house? I think one of the things, it really is a grand old house. Uh, how old is it? Yeah. I, well, yeah. there's some confusion about that. I have some pictures of uh, a couple of different old houses that were in roughly the same location that were different. And I've had a, a big session of about four hours a week or so ago with Jill Williams, who's a pretty serious uh, historian of houses around Petersburg. And, um, but um, the property was, and, and the house I'm certain was owned to begin with by Rasmus Stenge and his wife. Oh, okay. And, and um, so I don't know if there was anybody before the man that uh, had to evacuate the house when it was condemned. I don't know if there's anyone here before. I don't know who lived here um, at all, but anyway, it came from the Yangi family. Okay. And so um, I do, how high are the ceilings in there? Are they 10 foot or? Um, about eight, I guess. Um because when I was in there, they seemed higher than eight, but. Well, I guess it could be. I could measure very quick. 
<laughs> oh no, it's okay. I, it just, it gave me the feeling. Um, I, I've spent a lot of time in old farmhouses and how the ceilings are so much higher in a lot of those places or in some of the big mansions on the East coast. And um, it, it gives me that, it has that feeling. The ceilings are higher. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to show you something. See if I can move my computer to show you something behind me. Well, I guess it's visible there, right? Right. Even with my eyes, there's something going across the ceiling. Yeah. And and what that was about is that. Um, well, there's a second floor. There's three bedrooms upstairs and a bathroom. And and the wall between um, the bathroom and the front bedroom had a gap under it of about four inches, because oh, the wow. ceiling of the the ceiling of the lower floor down here had sagged that much, and so um, the only way I could come up with to fix it was to build a I beam that I made of two layers of uh, three quarter inch plywood and a two by six on each side of the top and on each side of the bottom and ended up being about 18 inches high and set that up across that uh, low spot in the ceiling and jacked it up until the, the gap was closed upstairs uh, under that wall and then, and then uh, set up posts on either end of that beam and uh, with wide footings to spread the load across the floor a little bit. And then encased it in uh, better looking material like sheetrock and, and so on to make it look decent. So it kind of looks funny to see a, a partition like that across the ceiling, but that's why it's there. Um, so that was another example of how uh, poor, poor the shape, how, how rough the shape of the house was, um, you know, with the ceiling falling down kind of. Yeah. If you are just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson, and today I'm talking with Harvey Gilliland about his house, about the house he restored on Singling Alley. So, the kitchen—it didn't have a kitchen. The kitchen, and I told you about this. This. The kitchen is one of my favorite places in that house. And it's because of the cabinets that you have in there with the glass in them and the old crystal poles. And and you said that you did all that. Well, um, a major part of restoring the house um, from a livable to a livable uh, point was uh, with the help of Carrie Mater and Meg Cook, who uh, were really interested in having a bed and breakfast here. And so we got together and it seemed like a very worthwhile thing. And they were willing to work on uh, painting and spackling and and uh, fixing like that. And so um, we came up together with them. I came, we came up with a plan for those kitchen cabs that I built and, um, um, there's a 
uh, glass window cabinet up above the kitchen sink and so on that was given to us by uh, Ron Bushman. And I don't know where it came from, but another old house someplace. And so, um, and and about that time, uh, then's when uh, the plumbing got restored. I worked on that. We had had a tenant before Petersburg Fisheries. They were desperate for a bunkhouse facilities. And so they put bunks, all, double bunks all over the house and, and uh, oh, wow. a couple of showers and a couple of toilets and they they restored uh, uh, the sewer line with some four inch uh, cast iron and um, so. But then um, um, I needed to rewire the whole place. There is what's called a, a knob and tube wiring that had uh, conductors going along them that uh, the insulation was falling off of and. Uh, my father and mother had moved here in 1968. Um, he didn't live long after that, but he had been a journeyman electrician. And so um, in spite of his kind of poor health, he sat here and and guided me through a wiring of the whole place, you know, how far apart the outlets and the height of switches and had a lot of great ideas to contribute to as I was doing that. And uh, the access to the ceilings and, and some of the walls were, were not uh, allowed. Uh, so um, I used what was called wire mold that you can put on the walls or ceiling. And yeah. and then uh, the, the conductors are put inside that. So it's this wire mold is on the surface and so you can see it, but it's a way to get wiring to say the middle of a ceiling in a room that, that would otherwise be inaccessible. So my dad was a big help in that. And um, and then I put in all new uh, plumbing, CPVC for the most part, and uh, a new furnace, uh, forced air oil-fired furnace, and came up with a way to build a, a duct, a return air duct uh, under the house that uh, uh, besides returning air, it encompassed all the plumbing. Oh, so the, nice. So, so, the, from freezing. so the temperature of the air going back to the furnace is not very much below the temperature inside the house. So it keeps all the plumbing warm and it doesn't freeze. And I put a thermostat in the far end of that duct that's in parallel with the thermostat on the main floor and set it for 45 degrees so that if somebody turned that, the one upstairs down to nothing, then that one would call for heat um, when the temperature got below 45 degrees. So it's pretty fail safe so far as uh, freezing is concerned. And um, so anyway, I had a lot of help and Carrie Mater and, and Meg Cook did a great job of, of like I say, their work of spackling and painting and their contribution to the cabinet design and all that. So. And so, um, when did you move into the house? Uh, probably about four years ago. Um, sad to say I have more than I can say grace over. And, and, and not long after getting this place, then my wife and I bought a house from Dick and Ruby Pierce. It's up on the hill by the Eagle Roost Park. And so we lived there for 40 plus years. And But then um, the laundry facilities were in the basement uh, a dark, cluttered, unfinished basement that my wife went 
down to the to wash clothes and so on for way too many years. So I finally started a remodeling project to get a laundry room upstairs. And so that's been done and I still lack some flooring to do there. But um, anyway, when that project, the remodeling of that started is when we moved down here to uh, what we've called Slewview. Okay. Yes, and you do, especially from the kitchen, you have a beautiful view of the slew out the kitchen window. Yeah. Some people have um, more grandiose places like Mountain View and Marine View, but um, we have slew view. And for our rental business, the license was in the name of slew view rentals. Okay. So we've called it that for a long time. Well, you must be enjoying living in the house after working on it for so many years. Yes, I'm, I'm glad to have it. And my wife was glad to have it to come to, too. She enjoyed it. Um, one thing that she didn't like me to tease about when somebody was around visiting and asked how we, she liked living here, I would tell that uh, my wife really enjoyed being here because it was so handy to Keto's. <laughs> she didn't like that a bit. She didn't I can only imagine. <laughs> so we're teetotalers and not much in the way of partying, but anyway. Yeah. So what is your favorite part of the house, Harvey? What do you think I, is, what do you love about the house the most, do you think? I guess I don't have a favorite part. I spend most of my time in what would ordinarily be a dining room where we have a television and, and, and what have you. And uh, a thing I like about the house is it's close to my warehouse where I have a workshop with wood and metalworking machinery. Um, oh, nice. And I like that a lot. And I have a long neglected, not forgotten, but uh, sailing vessel project that's served by the workshop that's been waiting for me for too many decades. Oh, so because you have some boathouses out behind there. So it is you have. Yeah, next next to the warehouse is a shed and uh, the boat is up on cribbing there. So she's out of water most of the time. Well, all of the time, except for maybe a couple inches on a real high spring tide. Wow. Well, that's nice that you have your workshop so close. Yeah. And I restored a power trailer. Uh, once years ago in about 68 and 69, a lot like John Parker restored a fishing vessel. And uh, so I took the poles and the mast down on the trailer and, and got her into that shed place to, to work on right next to the workshop. So I, I love the whole place, you know. The yeah. So to get, to get the boats in there, you have to go under Singley Alley Bridge, don't you? Yes, that's right. And, and before I bought the warehouse, I measured the headroom under the bridge and the width of the opening there. And uh, there's 19 feet of headroom underneath between a sewer line and the, and the ground underneath. So there's plenty of water there for a vessel that's not too high. And uh, so I have to transit under the bridge when at say about half tide when there's still headroom above the surface of the water and, and get inside and wait for the, the rest of the flood to, to get into my shed area. But it's, it's pretty easy access. 
There has been a lot of vessels built farther upstream uh, above the Main Street Bridge too in the past. In the past. Oh, okay. So I'm not the only one. No. That porch on on the house is the woodwork is quite distinct. I guess is what I want to say about it. Did you do it, or was the porch like that? The I, I, I rebuilt it like it was in the past. Um, yeah, there's two um, somewhat tapered posts on, on the, each side of the front of the porch and, and a little bit of a railing with two by two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Yeah. Uh, parts in the, in, the, in the railing. And um, I, I replaced the wood deck of the porch with uh, um, an artificial wood, like I forgot what it's called, but it's a plastic kind of stuff that doesn't rot. And nice. So, yeah, it's. A, I love how the porch is just right off the sidewalk. There, it just, um, yeah, it's just such a beautiful little porch, and it's covered. And but the the posts were have a very distinct character to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, when, when um, just before I restored the post, we had had a, uh, the youth program was in here after the Beersburg Press. And uh, we allowed the kids to paint inside because it, you know, didn't look like much. So there was orange and blue and polka dots and stuff all scattered around in the living room, dining room. And, and, uh, Kids had carved on the, those posts out on the front porch. Oh, uh, deep carvings of initials and uh, you know Valentine kind of things with an arrow through the heart, and so that that need to be replaced big time. Oh yeah. <laughs> so who do you recall any other tenants that you had in there? Yeah, we had a lot. Um, if I can kind of go, I'm not sure I've got it in chronological order, but the first tenant after the Piersburg Press, they were here for about seven years, by the way, before they uh, went bankrupt. And uh, Jamie Bryson from Wrangell came and started the Piersburg Pilot. But um, anyway, after the Piersburg Press was um, the Piersburg Youth Program that started here in, in our building about August of 1983, and um, then um, came Icicle Seafoods, and they made a bunkhouse out of it. And um, then there was a business called Alaska Rug and Cloud Nine Interiors. It was here. Um, Cloud Nine Interiors was run by a guy from Wrangell, and he mostly sold uh, Venetian blinds and window coverings. And then... Um, Dr. Jane Egger, the uh, veterinarian, was uh, Dick Longworth's uh, uh, past wife. She had a veterinary clinic here um, in 1987, or at least beginning February of then. Um, um, Olivia Olson and uh, Margaret Harris had Petersburg Fisherman Services, where they did settlements and stuff for vessels. Um, there was a family lived here for 
a couple of years in 95, 97. Oh, and, and Meg and Carrie Cook came in and uh, the bed and breakfast was put together in uh, beginning in 1992. Uh, Lisa Nelson and Summer Spurl had a so-called small fry learning center um, in 2004. Um, I guess that's about it. And now you have it. Yeah, and we're we were blessed to have this place to go to um, during the remodeling of that other place. Thank you for sharing with us today, Harvey. I sure appreciate it. It's a beautiful house, and you've really, I feel like, added to the well, well, singling alley down there. Thanks for your compliments, uh, Kari. Thank you for joining us. This has been Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Today's show will be archived as a podcast on the library's website at www.psglib.org. There will be a link to the library's website at kfsk.org. Thank you to KFSK and the Friends of Petersburg Libraries for making today's show possible and to Alec and Nicole McMurrin for the music.